Hello and welcome back once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast, our monthly preview show coming at you a little bit later than we probably should be doing it. Uh, but here we are. We want to make sure we don't miss out. Your host, Alan, as always, from Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. And uh, joined, as always, by Mr. Marvel himself, Keith. Good evening, sir. Uh, good evening to you. How are things? All good, all good. Uh, busy enough. We've actually had a busy enough January. I really can't complain. I suppose that's the joy of building a business uh, amongst a community and regular customers as opposed to being sort of a footfall-based business, if you will. And mm. let's be honest, the comics industry is nothing if not relentless, as we continually find out when we, quote, try to cut our pull list down and still end up with 20-plus titles every week. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. My biggest danger of the month comes with this, our previews podcast, when uh, you inevitably highlight something that I have seen and dismissed or not seen at all. Uh, and then I go, oh yeah, I almost put that in my pull list. And then suddenly I again have 21 books. See, I, um, I love that you're blaming me instead of this ridiculously thick Marvel book that is filled to the brim with loads of stuff, loads of number ones, loads of stuff from some of our creators whose stuff we're really enjoying. Um, you know, the Marvel book is definitely the one I think that we've picked the most out of this month. Mm. Uh, but I think that's because there's lots of starting points. There's lots of shorter series there's that kind of thing so maybe it's a conscious effort on marvel's part to do some shorter series instead of people you know maybe jumping on a title and then thinking oh how long is this going to be can i financially commit to this whereas we five issue mini series is maybe easier to do so maybe it's a new tactic you were uh you were saying uh we were we were discussing it a wee bit there before we uh before we started recording and you were saying you'd read something to that effect yeah there's there's been a few threads on twitter and so forth from some industry insiders talking about how the future of comics is most likely going to be sort of more miniseries you know they don't have to commit to uh putting creators onto long runs for example they don't risk creators getting burned out by having to do long runs uh, they don't have to worry about, you know, customers consistently picking up these ongoing titles. So I think there will always be a place for Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and things like that. I think those are, there'll always be ongoings for those titles because they're so historic and they've been going so long. But, I mean, even if you look at stuff like Fantastic Four, you know, it had a break a little while back, you know, due to Fox having the movie rights and Marvel not doing comics and stuff. Um, X-Men will be interesting moving forward are we going to always stick in the Krakoa age or you know you've always said it you can never see X-Men going back just to you know the Xavier school for gifted children you, you just can't see it because of what they've done since but mm -hmm. if we know anything comics like to reset and like to sort of go back to what made them work in the first place so I can see this maybe being a little bit of a tactic moving forward it's, it's the same even with DC and, and we'll certainly get into it when we get into the books but you know the, the brief overview of the DC book seems to be a focus on this new thing called Dawn of DC, which is, quote, forging the future one hero at a time. And and again, there's lots of miniseries related to this, lots of one-shots. Uh, there's talk of new titles coming out later in the year, which are going to be miniseries. But even then, it's like I saw uh, Green Arrow is coming back, for example, in April. It's not in this previous book, but they've already highlighted it. And the creators who are working on that have said, do you want this to be more than a six-issue miniseries? Well, here's how you do it, and it's all about pre-ordering and showing DC that you want Green Arrow to be an ongoing. But DC have clearly went, okay, you can do Green Arrow, but we're only giving you a six-issue commitment. So we, we've seen it in the indie books as well. You know, Once in Future mm. was originally a six-issue miniseries. Something is Killing the Children was a six-issue yep. miniseries. Yep. Um, you know, these books come out and... You know, they're, they're basically given the litmus test of whether they're successful or not. And if they are, and there's an audience there, then they'll do more. 
you know so it's uh it's an interesting time in comics at the moment i i mean there's there's just such a sheer wealth of titles but you know when even you and i are starting to go like you know two died in the wool 25 plus titles types of guys are even starting to go we don't want this to feel like a grind we want to make sure we're enjoying what Mm -hmm. we're reading you know the financial side of it is of course part of it but it is also a case of trying to keep track of the guts of maybe what 80 titles a month 90 titles yeah, a month yeah, it's yeah. it can be <laughs> I mean, there's only so much space in the noggin you know <laughs> that's it and there's there's only so much space in the house as well so <laughs> also true. uh you know it's uh yeah it's not something i necessarily uh i mean i guess to quote mr horse from ren and Stimby, no sir don't like it don't like it at all <laughs> um i mean i i enjoy the long-running series the the idea of being able to slowly build a, an arc slowly build story uh characters um and then have callbacks you know um mm-hmm. i mean i guess it's a it's a risk management thing for the companies isn't it you know but uh but it makes it difficult for creators to think in the long term uh, which is something that i really value in our in our in our chosen medium um I mean, same in tv shows you know i enjoy enjoy long run tv shows where you can get callbacks and and uh and, and be rewarded for 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 long time viewing i suppose all these big companies are just looking at each other and you look at netflix and how many times they cancel something after one season despite plowing loads of money into it i saw this tweet today that really has backfired on netflix but uh the official netflix account put out this thing talking about there was this series called sense eight uh, yeah, I, th- I think it might have been who was it that was involved with Sense8? It was J. Michael Straczynski who wrote Babylon 5 There was someone I else believe. involved in it off the top of my head I'm trying to think, they, they've done another TV show anyway I'm probably going to get, you know, murdered for saying for not remembering this but uh, um, was it the Wachowskis maybe, who did The Matrix? Anyway um, but yeah, they put up this uh, It was, it was it yes. was indeed, yeah, yeah exactly The thing. noggin's not feeling me yet all that uh-huh. comic information hasn't pushed it all out yet but yeah, they were. The Netflix put this tweet out today saying like, "Oh, they don't want to leave storylines unfinished. Uh, they're trying to learn from Sense Eight because they don't want it to continue." And the amount of actors and producers and directors who have jumped on went, "Oh, really? Well, what about Glue, for example? Oh, really? Well, what about you know eighteen ninety nine? Oh, really? Well, what you know?" Uh-huh. <laughs> there was uh-huh. someone put a tweet up which actually really made me laugh, saying. Uh, Netflix are tightening their purse belts because uh, and and stopping the financing of these shows because they're that busy spending fortunes on deep fakes for all of the Stranger Things kids to make sure they still look prepubescent. <laughs> 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 Had me rolling that one. Oh, hilarious! Hilarious. Twitter can be okay sometimes, ridiculously toxic most of the time, but sometimes you get the odd gem slips through. So, um, as uh, as someone uh, someone rightly posted uh, or said this week, someone who is involved in uh you know internet algorithms and and all of that sort of thing if you if you find yourself deliberately going on um accounts and posting about you know commenting on uh on on people you really dislike or things you know i guess hate hate tweeting Mm -hmm. you know commenting on things you dislike and, and and that sort of thing then the algorithm will see you engaging there and will fill your feed with more of that sort of thing yeah because it's so if you only engage with stuff that you like that's all you want to see your twitter will be a much happier place well that's a good thing with twitter i mean i i just follow comic creators really and and a few wrestlers and i really don't think it's much outside of that maybe some movie related stuff like james Mm -hmm. gunn and things like that but yeah, I mean, Twitter Twitter doesn't have to be a hateful cesspit. It's just that a lot of people seem determined to make it so. So, 
But anyway, we'll move away from our social media ramblings and move on to the previews books. So, usual format. Uh, you've got your DC book, you've got your Marvel book, you've got your large previews book with all the independent stuff. I am aware we're posting this quite late. We're recording this on the 18th of January. I'll try to put, put it out tonight onto our podcast feed as well. Usually minimal editing with uh, previews. But... Uh, the, the previews order is actually due by this Friday, which is the 20th. However, this is the initial order, which is two months before things come out. Uh, a month before things come out, we have what's called the FOC, the final order cutoff. So we can still top up our orders then. We can still guarantee first print, cover A's, cover price, 100%. They will arrive. So uh, so even though we're recording this a bit late, you do still have like three, four, five weeks to get orders into it. So don't think that it's a case of, oh, crap, I didn't get it in by Friday. I don't, you know, I won't get it. No, nothing like that at all. We'll, we'll also creatively guess at what we think will be popular. But oh, I can tell you that is uh, the hardest <laughs> thing in comics. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I suppose it's just taking us a little... A little week or two to get going in 2023, uh, where we now find ourselves in mid-January. Um, you know, between one thing or, and another, the hangover from Christmas and New Year, and uh, just various bits and pieces, getting back to work and uh, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, it's all but, starting uh, to calm down now, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to uh, it's nice to, to this is our our first, I suppose, recording of the new year. So uh, and it is a little late in the month, but uh, happy New Year to everyone who listens and may your 2023 be uh filled with four color goodness and don't worry we've been talking about it for weeks we will do a best of 2022 show we hope to get that out next week um there's some some interesting categories there and it's it's hard not just to pick nightwing for every category but that's a whole other uh, story so uh but yeah as i say just a brief overview of the books i mean it, it's interesting the way even just the books are presented now because the dc book is really thin and the marvel book's really thick marvel do full page ads for all of their titles whereas dc have thinned theirs down and, and towards the back for their ongoing stuff there's like four titles a page so it keeps it a little bit thicker but there's still a good chunk of stuff to look forward to in the DC books. Certainly if you're a Superman fan, I think 2023 is aimed specifically at you. I mean, I think they're really throwing their weight behind the Superman books. You know, obviously... Well, I mean, before we, we talk specifically about the Superman books, tell me a wee bit about this Dawn of DC crack. Well, Dawn of DC is all about doing loads of Superman books. Oh, really? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Dawn of DC. So, it's interesting. I've noticed this in comics in the last few weeks, and... Mark Wade is slowly but surely guiding the DC universe, and this is not a bad thing. That's never so a bad thing. he came in with uh, Batman Superman World's Finest, and it mm -hmm. was a case of, oh, this is this nostalgic throwback title. We've got a young Dick Grayson as Robin, and, you know, this is Batman and Superman and all their four color goodness. I've got Dan Mora for art. It's just a lovely wee time. I'm just doing my own wee thing over here. And then he brought out Batman versus Robin with Mahmoud Azrar. And then suddenly that led to Lazarus Planet. And then suddenly that's leading to this dawn of DC. So he's he's slowly but surely taking over the DC universe, or at least guiding it, which, again, is definitely not a bad thing. You know, big fan of Mark Wade. Keith and I disagree on this, which is fine, but for me, he wrote the best Daredevil run. I know you're a Brubaker guy, I think. I'm a Brubaker guy, but that is not to take away from uh, from anything that Mark Wade did or has done because he's been a Marvel stalwart for many, many years and done some of the some of the greatest stuff around and some really seminal stuff. Uh, so uh, less of the, the better or worser or bestest. Oh, come on, Keith. That's uh, just, how we get just... into people's algorithms. We have to <laughs> we have to be a direct opposition and say, I'm right and you're wrong. That's how we do this. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, so they're doing this thing, Dawn of DC. So they're trying to simplify the DC universe, which is always a tricky thing in itself. But they're going to be launching a load of new comics in 2023. And instead of just doing, which I don't complain about, but instead of just doing 15 different Batman titles a month, they're trying to do some different stuff and branch out a little bit. I mean, you look, you look ahead, they've got a, a brief map, which some of it's blacked out, but it's starting to sort of come together. And it says it's forging the future one hero at a time. And, you know, throughout the year, you've got books such as Green Arrow coming back. Green Arrow hasn't had a run in comics since Rebirth, which is, quite frankly, disgraceful because the 80th anniversary special is class. And he's very much one of DC's legacy characters. You know, there's going to be a book on Cyborg. There's going to be Shazam getting a proper book. There's going to be Steelworks. But it's, it's undeniable that a lot of this stuff seems super focused to me. You know, in the first six months alone... You know, Action Comics is a jumping on point. Superman's back to number one. You've got a new Tom Taylor, Jonathan Kent book. You've got Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow. So there's no doubt that there will be quite an emphasis on super Superman titles. And and again, Superman is the original DC hero. Predates Batman. Batman's probably more popular to a degree. Um, probably sells better for DC. But I do think there's a concerted effort here. They're bringing on great creators onto the super books. Uh, and throwing a lot of weight behind them. I mean, the first 10 pages of DC previews is uh, Superman-related. But uh, there's plenty of other good stuff to look forward to as well, which we'll certainly get into. Uh, I've got the culmination of the One Bad Day books, which I've very much enjoyed through uh, through DC, going through all the Batman villains. You've got Jumping On Points for Harley Quinn, always a popular book in store. You've got a new miniseries, uh, which seems to link nicely to one of DC's few TV success stories at the moment that still seems to be going. Uh, a few good trades towards the back as well, and a really good absolute for, again, a Superman title, uh, which mm. we'll get to as well. So, yeah, plenty to get into in the DC book, which we will certainly do in a few moments. But what is the Marvel book looking like? Yeah, the Marvel book is pretty jam-packed. Um, there's a few... Well, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of um, ongoing series uh, kicking off um but as we mentioned so many of the number ones and there are a, there are a bunch of them are number ones of five issue miniseries uh right across the gamut uh of of the marvel titles um there are uh there's a there's a, an interesting crossover which is continuing um and there's a few uh, ongoings uh some conclusions some jumping on points um but we'll we'll get into it i mean it's all bits and pieces there's nothing there's nothing really joining uh, Marvel's March previews up, if you get my meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 just uh, ongoings and, and and number ones for me really. Um, but uh, but yeah, as I say, despite that stacked and again, uh, loads of those loads of those five issue miniseries kicking off for better or for worse. Yeah, and one thing Marvel seem to be doing, and again, we'll certainly speak to it uh, a little bit more when we get into it, but they seem to be really enjoying going back to some of those classic eras and doing miniseries mm. set in those eras. So again, that seems to be a very deliberate plan from Marvel. We've enjoyed some so far, things like Venom Lethal Protector, things like Joe Fix-It, things yeah. like Silver Surfer Rebirth. They're, they're giving legacy creators a chance to still play with the yep. toys, so to speak, without mm-hmm. saying you're taking over the main title, so to speak. So yeah, and you... it's, it's been a great, it's whatever, wherever that initiative is coming from, it's been a great initiative. I'm enjoying certainly uh, Spider-Man, the lost, the lost hunt uh, and all of that sort of stuff with JM Dematis. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a, it's a great way to do things. 
Yeah, and then the last uh, previews book, which of course is your indie previews book that covers likes of Image, Boom, Dark Horse, etc. Plenty of stuff in it, as always. I mean, if we were to recommend everything that we like the look of, it, down to every last uh, title, we'd be here all night. So we, we do try to thin our picks with it. It's hard to look past Image this month again. We probably say that 10 out of 12 months a year. But they've some fantastic looking stuff here. They have an original hardcover graphic novel, first of all, which is possibly my most anticipated title across all three books. Agreed. Uh, and even then, it is actually uh, a pre-order for May or June, I think. Um, but you've got some great looking uh, indie miniseries as well coming through Image with some great creators jumping on there. You know, Jeff Lemire's got a new book. Greg Ruck has got a new book. There's an expansion of the Massive Verse, which I'm really enjoying. Tons of great trades, which I'll definitely get into in the indie previews book. So many great trades, and a lot of them are volume ones. Uh, boom, have some cool stuff. Dark Horse are probably uh, the bearer of my second most anticipated title this month, mm -hmm. as another uh, comic, uh, as another comicsology digital first series hits print, looks phenomenal. And then we've managed to pick out a few as well from some of the smaller companies. So we've got. Um, titles this month from mad cave from scout comics from tko studios and also some from uh, vault comics as well so plenty to tuck into <laughs> and as ever we'll kick things off with dc and as i say you've, you've got this little blurb about giving a bit more detail to what the dawn of dc is so uh, essentially it says dc is embarking on a year-long storytelling event the dawn of dc following the events of dark crisis on infinite earth and dc universe lazarus planet the world's superheroes have emerged from the biggest most devastating battles of their lives and are reinvigorated in their fights against evil with bold new directions for dc's biggest characters dawn of dc is an easy entry point for both lifelong readers and those picking up a comic for the first time so th those are the kind of buzzwords as a retailer you love to hear mm. something that's not going to annoy long-term readers something that's hopefully going to encourage new ones and they won't be lost so that's uh the description for me felt a little by the numbers uh, sounds like a marvel to say, description to me God, yeah well you know it's, i'm just uh, waiting on them uh, saying you, everything changes or yeah no exactly exactly it was you know as, as they say one is one is as the other is uh but i did feel a wee bit a wee bit by the numbers um, it sounds like know. a reboot without saying we're rebooting I that's what it like sounds a, like, like a soft reboot uh yeah. post uh what was it uh, which crisis dark what crisis was it what, which crisis did we have recently dark crisis uh, on infinite earths dark crisis on infinite earths and uh, and uh, and post lazarus planet i guess but uh, that doesn't say i'm not excited about some of the new titles particularly the superman titles well, um, take it away tell us about these superman and, uh, titles i guess i guess the first of them released releases we're, we're talking about march this year this uh, this episode but the first of them releases in February. Uh, then there's one in March and and one in April. So just to just to get jumping the way back machine and take you take you back. Do some timey wimey stuff. Yeah, well, it is timey wimey stuff. I was about to say take you back to February 2023, but technically we're not there yet. <laughs> um, we have uh, Superman number one, uh, written by Joshua Williamson and art and cover by uh, Jamal Campbell. Um, and it is the dawn of DC. Loads of variant covers by uh, a whole raft of, of individuals. And Superman has returned to Metropolis and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter as Clark Kent settles back into his life. Iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel, but waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is Supercorp. Uh, what secret project has Lex given to Superman? A hero is only as good as their villains will be put to the test in this brand new oversized number one featuring comics greatest superhero by DC Comics architect Joshua Williamson and award-winning superstar artist Jamal Campbell. Now, this is going to be interesting. 
uh, in the current run on uh, Superman. If you remember, there was the big thing, you know, over the last few years where Clark Kent revealed his identity um, and such. Well, in recent Superman books, uh, much like Spider-Man One More Day and all of that stuff. Um, in fact, that's the first thing I thought about was Lex Luthor has created this uh, thing, uh, you know, undergone this process by which most of the DC Universe have now forgotten uh, Superman's identity. Uh, as Clark Kent, whether they whether they read it or whether they they watch back recordings of the news or whatever, they just won't they just won't see it. So so uh, Clark Kent is back in the box, as it were. Um, so uh, and Lex Luthor is behind bars, so it will be interesting to see uh, where they pick up from there. But they've certainly they've certainly gone a little ways to reset that status quo. Um, in March, uh, still on the Superman tip, we have Adventures of Superman John Kent, written by. One of our favourites, uh, Tom Taylor, uh, art and cover by Clayton Henry. Uh, and we have uh, some variant covers here as well, uh, including a uh, 1 in 100 design variant spot gloss cover by Dan Mora um, and a Shazam Fury of the Gods movie variant by Lee Weeks. Um, it's uh, one of six, uh, this uh, Adventures of Superman John Kent, uh, and is released on the 7th of March says another Superman has fallen. Across the multiverse, Kal-El's are being murdered. Val Zod, the Superman of Earth 2, believes only one man can help stop the killing. Kal-El's son, John Kent. Val Zod, that's President Superman, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. Uh, um, John will have to step across dimensions and face the killer of the Kal-El's, the monstrous Ultraman. The man who kidnapped and tortured him for years. And Val Zod is not acting alone in trying to save the Superman. Uh, who is the mysterious woman alongside him? And what is her shocking connection to the super family so that will be uh march's uh dc release for 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 dawn of the dawn of dc uh, for superman and then in april releasing an eventh of april we have uh superboy the man of tomorrow connor kent is back but it isn't the dc universe he knows with jonathan cara and clark protecting the earth connor feels like an outsider more than ever living in the kent farm he dreams of one day finally finding his place in the universe and his purpose as Superboy. That's by Kenny Porter and uh, artist and cover artist uh, Janoy Lindsay. Um, that's the, the the prime Earth Superboy. Uh, I love the uh, you know the leather jacket, round glasses, quiff look uh, that came out of uh, Return of the Superman uh, after Death of Superman, and that's very much what we're what we're getting here. So, uh, so yeah, some pretty cool stuff coming up uh, in Dawn of DC for Superman for the Big Blue, the Big Blue Boy Scout and family. Yeah, and I mean that's that's without even mentioning you know action comics as well, which with um ten fifty one will provide a jumping on point if you want to jump on the Superman, and that action comics ones is due January twenty fourth, so we've ordered a few extra copies of that as well, just in case yes. uh, again you want to jump on to um Superman. The one thing I would say is. I don't know how other stores will do it, but when it comes to Adventures of Superman, John Kent, we will not automatically transfer you from Superman, Son of Kal El to. Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Um, it I know it's Tom Taylor. I know it's the same character, but it's jumping from an ongoing on to sort of a mini series, mm-hmm. and I don't want to just assume people want to stick with it. So if it's a title you want to jump on, please do let us know, because uh, again, we we just 
we're conscious of you know the cost of living and everything we don't want to just throw titles in make people feel awkward and go oh i thought this title was over that sort of thing i'd rather people come to us and say look please put that on my pull list so um but yeah even i mean the superman love doesn't stop there there's another superman title not really linked to the other ones but it's going to be a 10 issue mini series called superman lost which is written by christopher priest and art by carlo pagulian uh, these were the Eisner-nominated team behind Deathstroke. Uh, so this is going to be a 10-issue maxi-series. So again, we're we're already starting to see this, you know, what we're talking about with the Marvel books. Mm, it's the same with mm-hmm. DC. So six-issue miniseries, 10-issue maxi-series. So with this one, it's uh, Superman's Odyssey of Solitude. After Superman is called away on a routine Justice League mission, Lois Lane awakens to find a complete stranger standing in her living room. The Man of Steel, home much sooner than expected, reveals he has, in fact, been lost in space for 20 years. Nothing and no one seem familiar to him anymore, and the timeless bond between them has been severed, or has it? Can love conquer all? Superman's 85th anniversary celebration continues with this all-new blockbuster 10-issue series from the creators of the Eisner-nominated Deathstroke. So, you get the feeling that the other Superman books, Superman, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, John Kent, and probably Superboy, Man of Tomorrow, they're all probably going to link together. This, to me, mm. seems completely separate. This almost seems like a black label book, but I can confirm, Keith, it is not a silly size. It is a regular yes. comic size. Oh. So, the Superman love continues, as I say. Very um, nice. Very nice. But yeah, I mean, uh, you gonna swing into the Batverse, oh, or you know, uh... you know what I mean? Let, let's let's be honest. This is the book I'm most looking forward to uh, with uh, regards to the DC book this month. Hardly surprising to anybody because a it's Batman and b also the writer of Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Tom Taylor's pulling double duty this month and doing Batman One Bad Day, Raz Al Ghul number one. So, as I said in the intro, this is the end of the Batman One Bad Day. I wouldn't really say series. I'd say almost initially. They're not really linked. Um, yeah, it's, uh, they've, yeah, it's they've hard, been hard a little bit varying in quality so far, but when they've been good, they've been very, very good. Mm-hmm. And there's been one or two that have been a little forgettable, but I will look forward to reading Bane because that's out this week and I read it last night. That's class. Ooh. So, But yeah, one, Batman, one band day, Raz Al Ghul. So this is written by Tom Taylor and he is joined by Ivan Rice on art. So you know it's going to be a glorious looking book as well. So as I say, One Bad Day, in case you're unfamiliar, it's 64 pages, it's square bound, it's a one-shot book, and it will always look at a different member of the Rogues Gallery from the Bat family. So with this one with Raz Al Ghul, or Raish Al Ghul, depending on your uh, pronunciation, I'm going to go with Raz. I'm going to I'm gonna side with Christopher Nolan over the creator of Raish Al Ghul, Neil Adams. Um, oh, no, no. <laughs> bad choice. Bad choice. It's a modern choice. It's a modern choice. It's an easier to say choice. Um, it's a disrespectful choice. For centuries, <laughs> Ghoul has wanted to save the earth from the worst of humankind. And for centuries, he has failed. Recently, his greatest obstacle has been the Dark Knight detective, Batman. Raz offered Batman a chance to be a part of this new world order, but Batman refused. For years, their Cold War has raged. But Raish, see how I've done both. Oh. Uh, this is my version of Derry London there right here. <laughs> uh, we'll have no more. He will remove Batman from the equation and save the world, recreating it in his image and bringing peace and prosperity to all the good-hearted souls that the earth deserves. Don't miss this epic tragedy from the all-star creative team of Tom Taylor and Ivan Rice, the last of the One Bad Day specials and one of the most epic to date. Now... Just as a little extension from that, I mean, with Batman One Bad Day, some people are collecting them all. Some people are picking and choosing based on creative teams or based on um, characters. I've been getting them all. Um, but again, it, it just depends what your preference is. But DC will be putting together this hardcover collection of them. Now, 
It's slightly cynical, I have to say, because they're $18 hardcovers against $8 square-bound books, which if you're like me, you've already bought, and now you see this and you think, they're going to get me here. But the reason they're going to get me is because they're doing this rather gorgeous Batman One Bad Day box set, which is going to be a, what's called a direct market exclusive. So that basically means you can only get it in comic stores. So there's going to be this lovely slipcase that they're doing that also contains a new printing of Batman The Killing Joke, which they're throwing under the One Bad Day banner. Not sure how I feel about that. Sure, Alan Moore absolutely hates that. But the, the slipcase basically is big enough so that as each one gets released, you put it into the slipcase, then they all come together. Now, if you're a child of the 80s and 90s like Keith and myself, you will remember beautiful video box sets and slipcases such as the X-Files and uh, stuff like that. It reminds me of that a little bit, but as I say, there's not scheduled or slated anyway so far for there to be any uh, additional supplemental material in these. So I do think it's a wee bit kai scrabby, but the bastards are probably still going to get me. So that is also up for pre-RSA, but it's only available in comic stores, so... Again, if it's if you've missed out, for example, in the single issues, that might be a good way to uh, collect it. But just before I jump on to the next one, which is going to be a jumping on point for a for a character, there was something I noticed in the DC book up until now, and again, I sound so cynical and jaded, but uh, you see, um, Superman number two, it says introduces a new antihero. You see, Action Comics ten fifty three, it says first appearance of the Necro Hive. You see Detective mm. Comics uh, 1070, new characters alert. You can clearly see they're trying to look after the uh, speculators as well as the readers. Mm. But at the yeah. same time, if it brings new people to comics, you know, not going to complain. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about Harley Quinn. So Keith will probably, you know, turn himself off the next minute or two. But uh, it's a Harley Quinn's a, a popular title for us in store, you know, for better or for worse. There's been different degrees of Harley, and then I think we would probably agree that the last few years have been kind to Harley, whether it was James Tinian writing Harley Quinn through Batman, whether it was Tom Taylor writing Harley Quinn through Suicide Squad Bad Blood, whether it was Harleen. I think Harley's actually been given a bit of depth in the last few years. But there's going to be a new creative team jumping on for issue 28, uh, which is Teeny Howard, who a Marvel stalwart recently came to DC, has been doing great work on Catwoman. And the artist on this one, of course, this artist's name is this, and they're working on Harley Quinn, Sweeney Boo. Uh, but yeah, it's a new creative team, and it's going to be a jumping on point, as I say. So if you've been looking for a jumping on point for Harley, issue 28 will certainly uh, provide that. So one few Harley fans there. Another mini-series that caught the eye, and again, there's already a few guys with this on their pull lists. This is Unstoppable Doom Patrol. So, this is written by Dennis Culver, who I think most recently did Future State Gotham, mostly. And the art is by Chris Burnham. Now, I'm a big fan of Chris Burnham's art, frequent collaborator with Grant Morrison, for example. Um, but yeah, this is coming out of the pages of Lazarus Planet, and it's going to be a six-issue mini-series. Uh, So the world's strangest heroes are back in the DC Universe. After the events of Lazarus Planet, more people than ever have active metagenes. Most of these new metahumans have become misfits, shunned and imprisoned by a fearful society. They are hidden away in the dark, lost to a system that only sees them as weapons or guinea pigs. Ticking time bombs that can only be defused by the unstoppable Doom Patrol. Robot Man, Elasta Woman and Negative Man are joined by their brand new teammates Beast Girl and Degenerate and led by Crazy Jane's mysterious new Alter the Chief on a mission of saving the world by saving the monsters. Uh, as I say, the, the preview pages art-wise for this look fantastic. Again, big, big fan of Chris Burnham, so that would be my reason for jumping on this. Uh, 
I mean, Doom Patrol's never really been a series I've been into. I've read some of the Morrison stuff. I tried some of the Jared Way stuff. It was hit and miss, but yeah, artist-wise alone will probably uh, bring that my way. Fair and, enough, fair enough. And then you basically go through the DC book from there. It's just continuing on with your, all of your one-shot, sorry, not your one-shot, your ongoings and so forth. So you have new Flash issues, you know, new Wonder Woman issues, you have some Milestone stuff. Um, but the last thing I just wanted to mention was uh, more of a premium collected edition. And again, we're circling back to big old blue. And that is absolute Superman for all seasons. So anything this creative team have done has always been good. And this is no exception. So Jeff Loeb and Tim Seal. If you're a DC fan, you're familiar with Long Halloween. If you're a Marvel fan, you're familiar with Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Grey, Captain America White. Well, they did a fantastic Superman book called Superman for All Seasons which was a, a prestige format series they were thicker square bound books around 64 pages i think so this contains all four but it also includes some uh, material from superman 226 superman batman 26 solo and some secret file stuff as well so before superman became a living legend and icon he was just a farm boy in kansas named clark who was coming to terms with the enormous power that he was blessed with Driven by the desire to do more with his abilities, Clark moves from Smallville to Metropolis, makes new friends and enemies, and embarks on a legacy that will change the world. Written and illustrated by the Eisner Award-winning team of Jeff Loeb and Tim Seale, Superman for All Seasons is an imaginative and beautifully illustrated tale of the Man of Steel's formative years. Featuring the stunning colours of uh, artist Bjorn Hansen over Seale's bold line work, this edition is a tribute to both the Man of Tomorrow and the unfortunate, uh, unfortunately recently passed, incomparable Tim Seale. So, I mean, you know me, I get the mick taken out of me for saying it, but Absolute Editions really are the best type of editions you can get for one-off stories like this. So uh, I will definitely be picking that up. Mm, and, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, Tim Seale there. Uh, and just uh, just for a wee bit of good news uh, for, a, for a change, uh, <laughs> you know, you find ourselves, we find ourselves very often, uh, you know, talking about, you know, creators and, and the favourites who have sadly passed away but uh you remember a few months ago we were talking about ty timbleton who was mm -hmm. leaving batman uh, adventures, adventures continue, continue yeah, yeah uh and uh because of his uh his cancer diagnosis i believe it's now been announced that he is cancer free oh wonderful how'd you uh, say i love so, to hear some some good news yeah. for a change but no that that's wonderful to hear he he was so distinct on the batman adventures continues uh line they have continued it with the third one uh, and the artist there is, is great as well. I mean, I think the this the, getting the style of the animated show because you have that blueprint there uh, is maybe a slightly easier job than you know creating original art. But Ty Templeton just captured the essence of the of the animated mm -hmm. series so brilliantly. So that's that's really good news to hear. You know, first of mm -hmm. all as a person, but secondly as a, as an artist as well. So yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, some good DC news there to finish off with. We'll move away from there and on to this ridiculously bulky Marvel book. Uh, take <laughs> well, it away. Well, we'll buzz through it. So, yeah, I'm happy to be uh, kicking off the Marvel book with a new ongoing. And I suppose it's it's an ongoing from another ongoing because we have Jed McKay, who is currently on Strange, uh, the, the, the Doctor Strange book uh, that came out of the back of The Death of Strange, which was also written by Jed McKay. Uh, and features uh, Stephen Strange's wife, Clea, in the role of the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth. But Doctor Strange 1, again, by Jed McKay and Pascal Ferry, has Stephen Strange back as the Sorcerer Supreme of the Earth Dimension, reunited with Clea and Wong. It's back to business as usual for the Sorcerer Supreme. 
Have your children fallen into a deep nightmarish slumber? Are demonic refugees invading your home? Is your husband possessed by a satanic entity? Then call Dr. Strange. Join Jed McKay, uh, lately of Moon Knight, Black Cat, and one of my favourite writers of the uh, of the, the current age, and Pasquale Ferry, also lately of Namor, Conquered Shores, and Spider-Man Shadow, which was uh, one of Chip's uh, what, if? what If books, yeah. uh, and also Thor, and of course, a legend uh, of the Marvel Milieu in his own right. Uh, he's been around for a long time. And they're beginning a new chapter in the life of the master of the mystic arts. The cover A is by Alex Ross. So uh, need you say any more? Uh, <laughs> well, you could because Alex but, Ross uh, is also doing this uh, timeless uh, range of variants where he does classic Marvel characters as one shots on. And they're always free to order. He did them before. But obviously because Doctor Strange he's done before, he's doing a rather glorious looking one by which is going to focus on Dormammu instead. Mm-hmm. So. They they all look uh, they all look fabulous. Uh, they really do. Some great uh, some great covers. Um, but that uh, yeah that Alex Ross cover just is is beautiful. So yeah, I've been looking forward to that. Jen McKay's been uh, been doing wonderful things on uh, on Moon Knight uh, and on Strange. So I'm really looking forward to the fact that he will be staying put on that. Um, so yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, kicking into quickly the the X universe, uh, we're not going to be touching too much more on it uh, through the rest of our uh, our Marvel chat. But we have the second issues of the Sins of Sinister books. Now we talked a wee bit about these uh, a couple of months back. Uh, the first issues of the Sins of Sinister book uh, were all sort of ten years after the uh, the beginning of the Sinister Age, and the first issues were all drawn by the same artist as are the second issues and the third issues. So the books are. Nightcrawlers um, by uh, Cy Spurrier. Uh, we have Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants by Al Ewing. And we have The Immortal X-Men by Kieran Gill. And, and all of the second issues take place 100 years after the beginning of the Sinister Edge and are all drawn by Pat Zurcher. Uh, so all three of those books will be will be drawn by the same uh, the same artist in order to give that sort of uh, cohesiveness to the to the edge. Uh, if you know what I mean, uh, and likewise will be the will be the third issues. But um, there is another uh, another X book that maybe you want to touch on, Alan. Yeah, I mean this is one that I uh, stuck on the board. I mean it's as much for Vic as it is for myself because she's a big X twenty three fan. Um, you know she was introduced to the character through All New Wolverine by Tom Taylor, Juan Cabal. Um, it's it's the one omnibus I've picked up in like the last two years that Vicky's read start to finish. So and she already read the run before that, so that shows you how highly she uh, she enjoys this. But they're doing a little bit of a, a double thing here for X twenty three in March. First of all, you're getting the X twenty three facsimile edition, which was the first uh, f- uh, issue for X twenty three. It was written by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost and drawn by Billy Tan. So that's a perfect reprint of that. But what they're also doing is going back to that era. We talked about it in the intro a little bit about Marvel revisiting different eras in its history. And this is going to be back to when X-23 first comes through. And this is uh, X-23 Deadly Regenesis. So again, it's going to be a five-issue miniseries. Get used to us saying five-issue miniseries for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, it's written by Erica Schultz and art by Edgar Salazar. Uh, some cool covers. Peach Momoko is ever pumping out a cover. Still convinced she's chained up somewhere, just being told to draw covers. Uh, you've got Stormbreaker covers by Alina Casagrande, of course, part of the Stormbreaker system. But So for this one, it's Assassin or X-Man, The Deadly Days of X-23. 
Laura Kinney, aka X23, was cloned from Logan and trained by the facility to be a deadly assassin. Even if she tries to put that life behind her, forces will try to drag her back and she'll fight them tooth and claw. Beset by new enemies as well as old favourites and set during X-23's days as a member of X-Men and X-Force when she walked away from the island of Utopia to find where she truly belongs. Join us for an all-new story in the fan-favourite saga of Laura Kinney. So again, one for you X-Fans. Again, a shorter uh, mini-series to jump into with that. And uh, yeah, that's one I'm definitely going to be reading and I think Vicky will also definitely be on. And uh, I mean, Erica Schultz uh, is not a name that you see about Marvel very much. I think she is maybe better or was better known as a as a letter and an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did, I think she did one of the Daredevil annuals for Marvel a bunch of years ago, um, the 2018 one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so she's, I think she's done inking and lettering and coloring. Uh, I think, um, I think she's done a bit with Dynamite, and she was. Uh, you had talked to me a wee bit earlier on about uh, Mad Cave Studios. I think she was the editor for Mad Cave for, mm-hmm. uh, or an editor for Mad Cave for a long time. Uh, and that, and uh, her name appears a couple of times actually in the Marvel book. It does uh, indeed. This... And a, another title. I mean, might as well just yeah. jump straight on to that other title just to give that nice continuity. So the other one is uh, Hallow's Eve. Now, if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man, Hallow's Eve is a character that's been introduced through there. That's the Zeb Wells run. Predominantly the John Romina Jr. run, though there's been fill-in artists along the way. No slouch fill-in artists such as Ed McGuinness, for example. But mm-hmm. uh, Hallow's Eve is a character created there, and she is getting her own series. So, again, Erica Schultz writing. It's Michael Darling on art. And again, stop me if you've heard this one, it's a five-issue miniseries. So, uh-huh. spinning out of Amazing Spider-Man, Hallow's Eve gets her own series. Janine Godby's world has been blown up several times in her life. But this time, she has a bag of super-powered masks and a chip on her shoulder. She's on the run from the police, but there's someone else after her too. Don't miss this breakout character break even bigger. So, five-issue miniseries. First issue is going to be a $5 issue, but it is going to be a 40-page issue as well. Looks like it stands completely independent of the Spider-Man line. Doesn't seem to be a case of, you know, linking to any specific titles. Uh, And again, I spoke before about those timeless Alex Ross covers. There's going to be one for this, which is a rather glorious Green Goblin Virgin variant. So... So yeah, so Erica Schultz is a name you may be hearing around Marvel a little bit more. Yeah, and, uh, and more part to her. Um, we talked a wee bit about those, the books, you know, the the, uh, the getting previous creators, you know, former Marvel creators in uh, to do uh, storylines that are set a little bit in the past of certain characters. Uh, and that is the case with Venom Lethal Protector 2, number one of five, uh, where we have... Uh, David Michelini and uh, Farid Karami uh, following up the previous Venom Lethal Protector five-issue miniseries. Uh, David Michelini is, of course, co-creator of, of Venom. And uh, this Lethal Protector 2, uh, riffing off the original Lethal Protector back in the in the early 90s, uh, is Brock versus Doom. Enough said. Uh, David Michelini returns with a brand new story set in the sinister symbiote's past when brains and Spider-Man were still on the menu. This time he's reuniting with rising star Farid Karami uh, to weave an epic blockbuster that will take Venom from the streets of New York City to the Kingdom of Latveria as Eddie Brock is challenged like never before. What or who will Venom need to overcome? The fiercest foe in the Marvel Universe. One thing's for certain, this monster's bringing the mayhem. Uh, Again, that is a five-issue miniseries in the style that we have become accustomed um, 
you know, with these these stories taking place place a little further down the timeline of any given character. Yeah, and the Venom Lethal Protector one was a lot of fun, so it was, and you know, it was pulled quite a bit in store. So I would imagine that one will be just pulled just as much. Yeah. Um, moving away from Venom and on to a more recent uh, creation in the Marvel Universe. It's not really someone you've really read much on, is it? Uh, didn't didn't grab me. I've read a wee bit. You were bit, worried that this uh, was Cosmic Deadpool, weren't you? That's exactly what it was. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I can say that Cosmic Ghost Rider is a lot of fun as a character. And I seem to remember the first miniseries. Donny Cates said it was all about... It was called Baby Thanos Must Die. So Cosmic Ghost Rider is essentially Frank Castle from another universe. Uh, and he has basically been bestowed with the powers of the Ghost Rider. But has also been bestowed with the powers of being a cosmic ghost rider, I suppose, for lack of a better term. But it was a Donny Cates creation and uh, was first introduced in Thanos. I think it was Thanos 13 uh, that Donny Cates was doing and then has went on to his own series. So, I mean, one of the reasons you probably think it's like Deadpool is they even had a series called Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys the Marvel Universe. So, yeah. You yeah. can see you can see where I made that. You can see where I made that jump. But I think you might give this series a chance because... Look at the writer and look at the artist. Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, so, there's, there's, there's something to be said about that. So it, it hasn't been stated that this is any length. So this might be an ongoing. Uh, normally Marvel are very good about saying one of five or one of six or, or that kind of thing. But Cosmic Ghost Shredder's come back with a brand new number one. And as I say, really smoking hot creative team. You've got Stephanie Phillips writing and you've got Juan Cabal on art. So the blurb for this is Vengeance Reawakened in a far-flung corner of deep space. Frank Castle has eked out a quiet existence. His days as Cosmic Ghost Rider finally behind him. But across the universe, a vicious bounty hunter is leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. And his name is... Cosmic Ghost Rider. When Frank's peaceful existence is shattered, he must suit up once more and face his most savage enemy yet, himself. Be there for the start of a sprawling space adventures with shocking twists and turns in the saga of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, this is bucking the trend a little bit as well. It's not an overpriced issue one. This is a regular $4 priced issue one. So it might just tempt Keith in yet. Although we've you said that about know. Deadpool many times and <laughs> he's never bucked. You know, you know what it is? It's, I think, I think I have a little bit of a, of a of a thing hang up with uh, alternates of existing characters. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do love uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, who is an alternate of Spider-Man. Um, got a great story, really, really solid. Um, but I'm not so keen on the various other, you know, Spider-Gwens or, you know, all of those sorts of bits and pieces. So I think this is this is it. You know, this is the problem that I have with, uh, with Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's a, an alternate of... Ghost Rider, and I'm fairly happy with the Ghost Rider I have. Yeah, well, that's fair. You know. And you're happy with the Punisher that you have. Uh, well, yeah, that's also that's also <laughs> true. Uh, but why have so, why have one of each when you can have one book that combines them? This this will this will help bring your pull list down a bit, no? So, so what you're saying is, I said I should jump dump Ghost Rider and dump Punisher and pick up Cosmic. Well, no, because those books are great. So no, but yeah, no, okay. And I don't think I don't think it would scratch the same itch. I don't, I don't think, think it would so. scratch the same itch. Um. So, leaping on to another one of those uh, one of five uh, miniseries, this one I'm highlighting because it is the writer Christopher Cantwell and spins out of his Iron Man run, and that is Hellcat, number one of five. Uh, Alex Linz is the is the artist, uh, and there's a beautiful variant cover by uh, by Ryan Stegman on this one. But uh, leaping from the pages of Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man run, Hellcat is back. Patsy is back on the West Coast, living in a demon house haunted by the ghost of her mother. 
Uh, when someone close to Patsy's inner circle is murdered, Hellcat becomes the prime suspect. Now Patsy must prove her innocence and evade both the, both the police and the supernatural sleepwalkers. To add to the perils she faces, her demonic ex, Damien Hellstrom, shows up, and that's never a good thing. A supernatural superhero murder mystery. And, uh, I mean, whenever you mention sleepwalkers, sleepwalker, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the character, Alan. No. Uh, was, a, was a 90s D-list character, uh, the, the the policeman of dreams uh, and uh, had reality warping powers and uh, just a really, really cool visual. So uh, he belonged to this uh, this dream police force called the Sleepwalkers. Uh, and uh, he existed within the the mind of uh, of an individual, Rick, something or other. Uh, really cool character. Uh, and if he if there's a chance he might appear in this, uh, written by Christopher Cantwell, then I am, I am in. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, man. for... I mean, we'll have this issue anyway because I see there's a variant cover by Scotty Young. So anytime there's a variant by Scotty Young, it's got to be added to Vicky's collection. So it means I get a lot of number ones that maybe I wouldn't otherwise try. So, <laughs> uh, so Marvel continues Jason Aaron's wrap up of uh, his Avengers runs on Avengers and Avengers Assemble with uh, Avengers Assemble. Sorry, Avengers and Avengers Forever with the Avengers Assemble storyline. Uh, the final battle begins in part eight. And part nine, uh, part nine is the penultimate chapter. So we must be finishing with an Omega issue in part 10. Uh, it's been a great, been a great, great run. So interested in what's happening with Avengers. I imagine Avengers Forever is is probably just finishing off. But uh, not to highlight that, it, it is a great story. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, next up will be uh, staying in the Avengers uh, arena with I Am Iron Man, another five-issue miniseries uh, by uh, Mar- M- Marewa Adotelli and Doton Akandi. I've probably butchered both of those names. Uh, my apologies if that is the case. Um, it looks like it's a, a 60th uh, anniversary uh, celebration uh, with this five-issue miniseries with some beautiful, beautiful-looking covers by uh, Pete Woods and Juan Cabal. Beneath the red and gold armor is a hopeless romantic, a genius inventor, a war hero, a billionaire, an Avenger, a person, Tony Stark. Uh, dynamic duo. Uh, Marewa Adotelli and Dotun Akandi uh, of Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood, Iron Man 25 and Avengers Unlimited unite again to journey through the rich history of Iron Man, telling stories never before seen that are set in iconic eras of old Shellhead. No better way to celebrate the Iron Man's uh, 60th anniversary than getting to watch him be the Earth's mightiest hero who we love so much. Kaiju battles under the sea, aliens invasions in the desert, a rescue mission in outer space, all that and more are to be expected in this new series. Ideal for readers new to Iron Man and long-standing fans of the Golden Avenger. Um, that looks like a good one for me, at least. Maybe not for your good self, but less said, easier meant than Alan. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a long-standing fan of the Golden Avengers, so I'm not sure. But yeah, no, the the concept sounds interesting, I have to say. Uh, and again, just a wee five issue. I mean, the creators I'm not too familiar with either, so sometimes it's nice to jump on something new and yeah, get a sense of what, a, they're, what they're doing. They did a, they did a vignette in, uh, in Iron Man 25, certainly, so uh, as, as a team, I believe. So uh, yeah, be, uh, be worth a look, I would say. Well, just as Erica Schultz is all over this Marvel book, so too is Stephanie Phillips. Another five-issue miniseries uh, coming up, which is Rogue and Gambit. Written by Stephanie Phillips. Artist on this one is Carlos Gomez. Uh, Rogue and Gambit, of course, you know, is, is a couple that everybody in comics just seems to love. They did a really good series not too long back, Mr. and Mrs. X, uh, for example, which was a 12-issue miniseries. But... 
This one's just a five. This is uh, Destiny Strikes, your favorite X-Men duo. Krakoa is on a precipice. Destiny alone can see what's coming, but the precog cannot act. For that, she'll need her adoptive daughter, Rogue. Husbands need not apply. But with Mutant Judy stealing Rogue away so much these days, Gambit is determined to make the most of the mission and put some Cajun spice back into their increasingly complicated love affair. He just has to make it out of the bar first. Powerhouse writer Stephanie Phillips joins fan favourite artist Carlos Gomez for a thrill ride that'll lay bare some of Krakoa's biggest secrets. So, although that sounds like a little bit of a throwaway five-issue miniseries, there could be some perhaps serious implications uh, revealed about the X-Men books through this. Mm-hmm. Possibly, possibly. And then... Another number one to look out for certainly this month and this caught me a wee bit by surprise that it was going to number one because we're only like five issues, six issues into its first volume. But I suppose they did the same thing with Alien so maybe we shouldn't be surprised. So Predator is going back to number one. Now the good news is that the same writer is staying on which is Ed Brisson and I've really enjoyed the Predator book so far. Uh, The artist on this is Netho Diaz. I suppose in a way, you know, I've, I've quantified this to people in store by saying Alien and predator franchises that sort of transcend transcend comics a little bit so a more casual reader who's into the movies is more likely to pick up a number one off the shelf than a number 10 oh but oh but it's a starting point oh no it's number 10 don't worry so in a way i understand the logic behind this as long as it's different adventures each time then that's not a big deal, I think. But for this Predator number one, the headline is Fear is Reborn. On a planet far from Earth, eight strangers find themselves in a deadly game. But this time, the Predators aren't the only ones on the hunt. Someone has the Yucha in their sights, and they've been searching for this game preserve for a long time. Ed Brisson and Netho Diaz kicks off an explosive new series that will turn everything you thought you knew about Predator on its head. I must admit, I don't know an awful lot about Predator, other than the kick-ass Arnie movie. So I don't know how much it's <laughs> going to turn in my head. But I've enjoyed the comics so far, so I'll be sticking around for this one. Yeah, absolutely. You had mentioned you had mentioned earlier on that you thought that this was a this was a pretty good idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for certain franchise. I mean, I remember Kevin Smith. I, I think I've spoke about this in the podcast before, but I remember Kevin Smith talking about this and saying, like, for series, what they should maybe do is look at only doing twelve issues a year of a series, and they call it twenty twenty, and then that's one to twelve, and then they go twenty twenty one, and then one to twelve, and. It's an interesting concept. I wouldn't like to see it for those long ongoings because I'm like you. I like to see those numbers add up. Uh, I, I like that Marvel solved that problem predominantly by including legacy numbering. But I do think there's a place for it because it makes it easier for the more casual reader to maybe jump on these things. So so again, it, it maybe harks back to this idea of the five-issue miniseries and again, making it as approachable and easy as possible for people to maybe jump into comics and give them a go. Yeah, absolutely. I guess uh, counter to that, then maybe is the the crossover that is currently unfolding between um, uh, X Men and uh, Captain Marvel, uh, and uh, currently in the pages of, of Kelly Thompson's run, uh, much acclaimed as it is uh, of Captain Marvel, uh, Carl has taken to the stars to answer distress call, only to be only confront to be confronted by the horrors at the hands of revengeful old enemies, the Brood, uh, and luckily for Captain Marvel, she won't be alone. Uh, because not only will the story arc guest star various X-Men, including Rogue Gambit and Wolverine, but Jerry Dugan's ongoing X-Men title will connect with Captain Marvel starting in uh, last month in February's X-Men 19. Uh, and uh, the, the arc will see the X-Men realizing that despite their efforts, the Brood are still a major, a major threat. So there's going to be two arcs uh, throughout February and March titled <coughs> Revenge of the Brood and Lord of the Brood. 
representing a reunion of sorts uh, as Captain Marvel and the X-Men fought alongside each other in the original uh, Brood saga by uh, Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum and Paul Smith. But uh, in Lord of the Brood, which is the X-Men side of things, uh, the X-Men are getting a, a de distress call from deep space and find that the galaxy's brood problem is not as solved as they thought. And uh, Brew, who is the X-Men's close friend, uh, a mutant a mutant brood, uh, has become the brood king and he's he's controlling the savage alien race. Uh, so, so there's some cool stuff going on there. And then in Revenge of the Brood, Carl is on an express elevator to her own personal hell and the brood empress is determined to ensure that captain uh, marvel and all her friends make it to their destination uh so to mark the occasion um upcoming issues of both series will have one giant connecting cover by juan frigari that will run on captain america captain marvel sorry 46 47 48 and x-men 1920 and 21 um so sounds sounds pretty cool uh and March, we have X-Men 20, and that will be Lord of the Brood Part 2. Uh, and uh, that will then feature the connecting cover to Captain Marvel 47, uh, which is Revenge of the Brood Part 5. So uh, there's, uh, that's pretty cool. I like it. I'll cross over now, I have to say. As long as it's kept simple, as long as it's not across like 10 titles, if it's only across a couple, then yeah, it can be cool. I mean, Tom Taylor's done a real, couple of really cool ones through Nightwing. Did a Nightwing, Son of Kal-El crossover, a Nightwing Flash crossover. As long as it's only mm. a couple of titles, I don't mind it. But I, I do, I don't want to go back to the '90s when it was like you need these 15 titles for this entire storyline. <laughs> looking at you, Clone Saga. Looking at you, Nightfall. Uh, well, sure. Uh, I mean, there's some some good stuff there as well. To be fair, um, so. Uh, there's another another five issue miniseries to to mention, and that's uh, with a fantastic creative team, uh, Derek Landy and Greg Land. Uh, the uh, the series is Avengers Beyond again, number one of five, and it seems to be a direct continuation of that same creative team's current run on All Out Avengers, uh, which is a really entertaining title. I have to say, if you're not picking it up, it'll be no doubt out in trade. And I would highly recommend it. So Avengers Beyond uh, got me because the cover uh, by Greg Land uh, and with a variant by Lee Garbay uh, shows uh, the Beyonder uh, in his Secret Wars 2 outfit. And it says that someone has been manipulating the Avengers for the past several months, altering the very fabric of reality in an attempt to prepare the planet for a threat that could destroy everything. And now that's what we're seeing in All Out Avengers at the minute. Uh, and here now, uh, this unseen individual is to be dragged kicking and screaming from the shadows and into the light. And he is revealed as the Beyonder. Something's big is coming to the Marvel Universe now. Whenever you say the Beyonder, uh, you you have me at issue one. Um, so uh, so I'm all over that one. Have you been reading all eight Avengers at all? I haven't, no. I mean, I, I do like Derek Landy's stuff, though. I really enjoyed Falcon Winter Soldier, for example. Um, so... I think there's issue one and issue two of it in the shop, so I'll maybe uh, I'll maybe give it a go. It's three yeah. issues in so far, I think, or thereabouts. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think you're exactly right, something along those lines. Um, so moving swiftly on, uh, just to highlight a, a couple of ongoings, uh, we have Ghost Rider number 12 by Ben Percy and Corey Smith. Consistently uh, one of Marvel's best titles, I have to say. I totally agree. And uh, the... The subtitle is Blood Brothers because Danny Ketch, my ghostwriter, is back 
uh, as this new highway melting chapter of Ghost Rider kicks into gear. So get ready for one hell of a reunion. Both he and Johnny have changed significantly and they'll hardly recognize one another as their paths converge uh, to war. Now, the last time we saw Danny, he was the spirit of corruption or something along those lines. Uh, my, my fondest hope is that uh, he will have returned to his uh, flame-headed uh, original um, spirit of vengeance sort of uh, dealio. But uh, who's to say? Uh, I've been really enjoying, as you say, what Benjamin Percy's doing. So uh, let's see what he does with uh, what he does with Danny. Uh, and it's worth mentioning. Well, Hulk um, number thirteen. Ryan Otley has taken over writing this, and there's a particular reason, isn't there? Ryan Otley took over at issue eleven, which is out this week. Mm-hmm. I believe he's finished it up. It's going to go to issue 14. Um, I, I, again, I, I sound like I must spend all my time on Twitter, but uh, I really don't. But yeah, on Twitter, I know Donny Cates was talking about having some personal problems, and I think he may possibly in the middle be in the middle of a divorce. Um, and if you follow Donny Cates, you know, he seems like a really passionate person, and he sort of threw everything into this marriage, so I think it may have, you know, affected his his mental health a little bit, so, well, more than a little bit, probably, but, you know, I, obviously, Torin Grombeck has taken over Thor, which was, again, launched through Donny Cates, Ran Otley's taken over Hulk at the moment, so, uh, the only title I believe Donny Cates is putting out at the moment is uh, Vanish, through Image Comics, so, you know, ho- hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. He's one. Of, he's definitely a unique voice in comics, and uh, his his name does attract a lot of attention. Not always the best type of attention, but I think that's sometimes what the best creators are, or maybe slightly divisive. Um, mm. But he's, uh, you know, first and foremost, hope he, you know, hope he's okay and hope he gets over it okay and you know gets back on track, you know, just with his own sort of personal personal issues. But mm-hmm. but yeah, just the. Again, we spoke about it. You know, comics are relentless. You know, if someone had to step away, you can be sure they're gonna have someone step in. But, but yeah, no, Ran Otley stepping in as as writer is sort of interesting. I'm not sure of anything else he's ever written. He's just always struck me as an artist, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think he's been moving moving in that direction, uh, making noises on various podcasts and such. Um, so, well, more part to him, uh, I guess. Um, so we also have She Hulk number eleven. Uh, this is a fantastic series. Uh, by Rainbow Royal and uh, Rez Genelay. Um And number 11 is significant because it is a new arc and a great jumping on point. A new villain starts a thieving spree through New York City and ends up facing face to green face with Jennifer Walters, the sensational She-Hulk. Also, have you noticed that this is legacy number 174? You'd almost think that something very special is coming. It's interesting. Um, I was chatting to someone about She-Hulk in the store the other day, and we genuinely wondered if it would do half the amount of sales it did if it wasn't for those Jen Bartel covers. Uh, the the covers are phenomenal. They yeah, really fantastic. are. Fantastic. Uh, they're just you know, She-Hulk got her sort of strong, super sexy, you know, self, uh, and and various. They're just so cool looking. The one with Always Jack eye catching colors. Sometimes yeah. other characters make an appearance on there, but it's yeah. one of the few Marvel titles or DC titles even that also embraces the idea of the corner box. Yes, absolutely. It's just it's just a brilliant series, an absolutely brilliant series. Every issue has been brilliant. Uh, so much heart in it. Uh, Rainbow Royal is uh, Rainbow Royal is is just a phenomenal writer, uh, and has picked the the perfect character. Um, so uh, yeah, if you if you've missed it, pick it up and trade and. Uh, and think about number 11 as a jumping on point for your singles. 
Uh, and then we have Strange Academy Finals number six. I mention it because it's a fantastic series. Uh, the original Strange Academy series by Scotty Young was phenomenal. I mention it because it's Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos. And I mention it because it looks like it is the conclusion of the Strange Academy Finals series. Uh, the end of an era, the conclusion of a story that will change the face of magic is here. So much has happened in the last few issues. We don't dare spoil it. Uh, I totally agree. The last few issues have been great. Are you still on this? It's taken such a dark turn. I don't. Yes. I, I like the your your point of view character throughout the whole first volume, so to speak. The eighteen issues is now evil and makes me sad. It's still a great title. Uh, yeah, still yeah. a great title. Evil, evil in a in a sort of evil in uh, a I know best kind of way. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, any, any villain is the hero of their own story and so forth, but. No, I'm still really, really enjoying the series. So I actually didn't realize until I saw this previous book that this volume was only going to be six issues. So that bums me out a little bit because it is a quality title and it's a great all ages title as well. Yeah. And I wonder what's coming next. I wonder. I wonder will there be a will there be another will there be a will there be a strange academy uh, year two or a strange academy sophomore year or something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the last thing I would like to highlight is a comic related. Uh, game as you know the marvel multiverse role-playing game uh, is coming out i believe in june uh, and this is an early solicit for july it's the first campaign book uh, for the game called the cataclysm of kang hardcover cover is it's written by matt forbeck who's the designer of the, the new marvel role-playing game uh, covered by ivan coella and jesus Abertov. Kang the Conqueror, who, as you know, is a big name in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe at the minute, or is, is set to be. Kang the Conqueror crosses the multiverse to find the greatest weapon in any reality, and only your superheroes can stop him. Written by D616 System co-creator and New York Times bestseller Matt Forbeck, also known for the Marvel Encyclopedias, which are fantastic, and packed with illustrations by Marvel's incredible army of artists, The Cataclysm of Kang features a series of linked adventures, Six of them, one for each rank of characters, one through six. Play through with a new team uh, each time or form a campaign that takes the players from street-level heroes to cosmic champions. The book also includes dozens of brand-new character profiles for use in your game. Your adventures in the Marvel Multiverse start now. Features six new adventures, as mentioned, uh, that form one campaign uh, over the course of linked adventures. They uncover Kang's the Conqueror's most ambitious scheme ever and risk everything to find a way to stop it. Um, so yeah, sounds sounds good. I'm re I'm really psyched for this whenever uh, whenever the the book comes out, and uh, I'll I'll be picking up the adventure book as well. I'm quite sure. We'll maybe get a game. Maybe your second your second exposure to a role playing game, Alan. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe the second time is what I need to get me into it full time. Could be. Could be. But anyway, that's me finished with Marvel. What about you? I'm gonna throw one last Marvel one in, and it's gonna shock you to your very core because I'm going to highlight Star Wars. <gasps> But what? the reason for that is because Marvel are about to start doing a series of one-shots celebrating 40th anniversary of the best Star Wars movie of them all. I know it's 40 as well because it was brought out the year I was born. Return of the Jedi. So Marvel are going to do a series of one-shots. They've obviously been doing stuff between like the Empire Strikes Back era and Return of the Jedi story. You know, Charles Soule's been shepherding a lot of that stuff. Well, now this is going to be set during the Return of the Jedi uh, era. So they're kicking things off with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Jabba's Palace number one. So written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Alessandro Miracolo. Who is plotting to overthrow Jabba the Hutt? Jabba's palace is one of many places to find the vilest of scum and villainy relaxing. Wet their whistles and indulge their vices. Who would ever want that to end? 
Well, someone has Jabba in their sights. Beginning a series of one-shots spotlighting the return of the Jedi era, Mark Guggenheim and Alessandro Miracolo bring you a tale of Jabba's palace you won't soon forget. So that's going to be a 40-pager. It's going to be a one-shot, $5. But yeah, I've just a massive soft spot for Return of the Jedi. It was always my favorite Star Wars movie growing up. Uh, I think it's the best depiction of Han Solo. I think it's the uh, rebellion would have failed without Dewoks. Don't care what anybody says. Yeah. <laughs> it had the best lightsaber fight uh, between um, Darth and Luke. Now, admittedly, I'm not as huge a fan of the special edition of it. I don't need Darth Vader going, no, as he lifts the Emperor. That's better if he was silent, but George Lucas loves Tinker Roman movies. But I digress. Uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi was great for me. So I will actually be picking up some Star Wars books, believe it or not. Uh, well, there you are. Wonders will never cease. Indeed. So never Things say never. That I have wings. Never Things say never. Wings. So yeah, so that is going to do it for DC and Marvel. We will go on as ever to the indie book. And again, you will hear a lot of image stuff here. I think it's a very, very strong month for image. That's not to say there aren't other great stuff with other cre- um, other publishers. We'll highlight what we can. But image is very heavy, I think, this month. So why don't you kick things off which with what is probably both of our most anticipated title this year or this uh, I month? Would, uh, I would say you're right. And uh, that is uh, also a uh, previous gem of the month. And that's Night Fever hardcover by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips and Jacob Phillips, the team that have brought us Pulp, Reckless, uh, you know, specifically Criminal, Killer Be Killed. Uh, and this is a gripping new original graphic novel from that team as they take a little break from uh, from Reckless. Who are you really? Are you the things you do or are you the person inside your mind? In Europe, on a business trip, Jonathan Webb can't sleep. Instead, he finds himself wandering the night in a strange foreign city with his new friend, the mysterious and violent Rainer, as his guide. Rainer shows Jonathan the hidden world of the night, a world without rules or limits. But when the fun turns dangerous, Jonathan may find himself trapped in the dark, the question is, what will he do to get home? Night Fever is a pulse-pounding Jekyll and Hyde noir thriller about a man facing the darkness inside himself. This riveting tour of the night is a must-have for all Brubaker and Philip fans. The surreal thrills of Fight Club meet the suspense of the talented Mr. Ripley in this twisty, character-driven story. <laughs> well, well now. I mean, you could have just stopped that sentence. Instead of being this riveting tour of the night is a must-have for all Brubaker and Phillips fans, you should have just stopped it after must-have. Anything these guys release is fantastic. There's so much love for the genre that they work within. There's so much care goes into the art. The colours are always fantastic. Of course, shout-out to Jacob Phillips, Sean Phillips' son, who does the colouring in these books. Of course, a very talented storyteller in his own right through That Texas Blood and so forth. But yeah, anything these guys, you know, release, it's just dripping in quality. And the previews pages, as expected, look great. And again, they're probably the only creative team that have that pull that they can release original hardcover after original hardcover. Because if you think about it, the comics model, companies want you to deliver uh, to release singles and graphics because there's always going to be people who double dip, like myself. So if you're only releasing a graphic novel, you're essentially cutting off that revenue stream. But these guys... A, their reputation so high, but B, their sales are so high because of the quality that they can um, they can pull that off. Now, I think you said there it is a, an advanced solicit, so it is in this book, but it's yep. not out until June, so June the 14th. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the pre-orders for this are already strong. I mean, I remember when they released the cover on Twitter alone. I think I got about seven or eight messages that night saying, ah, get that on my pull list, please. So, you know, it's arguably the best team in comics for 
the last couple of decades even. Mm-hmm. So uh, Fair. Yeah, definitely high, high, high up the list for this uh, for this solicitation. Uh, but we'll move away from that, move on to a single issue uh, series that is starting this month. Uh, and again, Image Comics and again, a real powerhouse creative team. So the story is uh, by Jeff Lamar and art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta and Jordi Belair on Colours. And I talk about Gabriel H. Walta, for example, as a, a brilliant talent. The Vision with Tom Keane is one of the best book looking books you will ever see. Uh, and I haven't seen them do an awful lot since then, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this. This is also described as Mad Max meets the Sandman. I mean, come on, <laughs> sold. Um, but yeah, it says it's it does just say issue one. So again, it's unclear if it's a mini series or if it's going to be an ongoing. Again, Image are usually good about it. If you look at the next solicitation, for example, Dead Romans, it does say one of six. So I presume the plan is for this to be an ongoing of sorts. So. Dom is a long-haul truck driver attempting to stay ahead of his tragic past. When he stops one night to assist Bertie, who has been in a massive car crash, they pull an artifact from the wreckage that throws their lives into fifth gear. Suddenly, a typical midnight run has become a frantic journey through a surreal world where Dom and Bertie find themselves the quarry of strange and impossible monsters. It's grindhouse horror meeting high-concept supernatural fantasy in the first issue of a bold new series from Jeff Lamar and Gabriel H. Walta, the Eisner Award-nominated creative team behind the best-selling Sentient series. Sentient was a wonderful title through TKO Comics as well, which is uh, highly, highly recommended. So, yep, I will definitely be all over this one. So Very nice. Very moving nice. along, speaking of creators who you like... Yeah, um, so we have, still from Image, a uh, 64-page first issue of Forge, written by uh, Greg Rucka uh, and Eric Troutman, released on March the 15th. A series premiere, it's trim size, uh, and it says, In the 11th millennium of the rule of the Eternal Empress, a squad of planet-smashing super soldiers find a routine mission to be anything but they are the Forge. They take no prisoners. Written by Greg Rucka, uh, well known for uh, Old Guard and Lazarus, and Eric Troutman, and brought to the page, to the pages by Mike Henderson. Park upon the over-the-top pulp adventure of sex, violence, and sci-fi, inspired by Conan, heavy metal, and the other comics you tried to hide from your parents. Sounds yeah, interesting. What do you think? It, I'll be curious to see what the plan is release-wise with this, because we know obviously Greg Rucka moved on to Lazarus Prison as sort of tri-monthly or even sometimes longer than that but bigger mm-hmm. issues this is a 64 page issue one uh, mm-hmm. six dollar book so i'll be curious to see if this is a quarterly title or a monthly one but it Ooh. has my attention just because mike henderson on art mike henderson's the co-creator and artist on nailbiter which is a series yeah. i like to bang on about quite a bit so I'll, I'll look forward to that just for that the preview pages as you would expect if you like the artist you're always gonna gonna be on board of that um, another one that is definitely worth talking about just simply because it's uh, Image Comics seem to be creating what is called the Massiverse so they did a one shot a little while back called Supermassive it factored in Radiant Black it factored in uh, Rogue Sun Rogue and yeah. then it's grown from there now there are some other miniseries Radiant Red, Radiant Pink for example um, we've got The Dead Lucky which is linked into that now as well and now we've got a new one coming out, which is called No One. So this is a number one of 10. So again, maxi series as opposed to ongoing. Kyle Higgins is the architect of the Massiverse. So it's good to see he's involved story-wise here. But equally good to see he's working with Brian Buccolato 
did a fantastic flash run during the new 52 did a great image title called sons of the devil about devil worshippers uh, a writer i really really like and the artist on this one is geraldo borges so 10 months ago the richard Rowe murders shocked the city of pittsburgh in the months since the killings have sparked a dangerous political movement copycat killers and a masked vigilante who's still determined to hold the powerful accountable not a symbol not a hero they could be anyone they're no one Superstar writers Kyle Higgins and Brian Bucoletto and rising star artist Geraldo Borges bring you the extra-length first chapter of a true crime superhero drama in its own corner of the Massiverse. Plus, the story continues in Who Is No One, a monthly companion podcast. That's interesting, son. Starring Rachel Lee Cook and Patton Oswalt. Now, how can you say Patton Oswalt and not say he's the voice of Happy when it's a podcast? It's just, <laughs> what is that about? Or that he's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as the head of the fire service. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No one is a massive verse series, so I'll I'll be on board with that. I love the look of the art. It says Geraldo Borges was a Nightwing artist. Would that have been? Do you think the Rick Grayson years, maybe, or because it does uh, say Rising Star artist, and obviously right. it's been uh, Bruno Redondo for the last maybe two years. So I'm wondering yeah, yeah. if he was maybe from the. Uh, could have been, could have been. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Well, I know you put the Rick Grayson years out of your head as much as possible. So, <laughs> until oh, were, you suffer. until they were until they were brought back to me uh, just a few <laughs> weeks ago, uh, thanks to uh, thanks to uh, what did you call the imp? Uh, Nightmate. Nightmate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just Tom Taylor reminding you to be grateful for how good it is now. He's like, just remember, this is where it came from. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was well written. It was just a bit weird. <laughs> just a bit weird but um but yeah those are the single issue series from image we wanted to highlight and of course the original hardcover with night fever but i just wanted to throw out a bit of love for some of the pre-orders for trade paperback and hardcover collections because there are some fantastic series collected for this month so first of all you've got creep show creep show has been a wonderful horror anthology uh you've had people working on this such as chris burnham paul dini francesco francovia steve orlando clay mcleod chapman uh, and I've really, really enjoyed it. I've I've been collecting the single issues, and the first volume is going to collect uh, the first five issues altogether. If you want to scratch that horror rich as well, and one of the smartest series I think at the moment is one called Dark Ride. This is written by the uh, Joshua Williamson and art by Andre Bressan. That's the team that delivered Birthright together as well. Uh, Dark Ride is basically Disneyland, but imagine it's a horror-based theme park. So how far would the creator of it go to scare people? wonderful wonderful title uh and it takes plenty of digs at disney which is also fun uh speaking of the massive verse you got the dead lucky volume one trade paperback coming out that has been a great series if somehow you have managed to avoid jumping on department of truth to this point first of all hi second of all this is clearly your first time listening to us uh they are releasing a hardcover now image have been doing this a lot recently with some of their top tier series so Philadelphia recently got a hardcover which was the first 12 issues for example um, Oof, Deadly Philadelphia. Clap. oh that's, oh, well, that's it's, it's a book that's just getting better as well oh unbelievable this is previews keeps, not be... reviews Previews. Seems to, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Philadelphia. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it's just been. It's, it seems to be pushing towards some sort of a conclusion. Yeah, uh, I've got a I feeling. Will, Thirty. I've got a feeling. Yeah, I will miss it when it is gone. That book is phenomenal. Well, as I say, it's it's one of those titles that's obviously so well received and it's done well in sales that it got a hardcover. Firepower mm-hmm. recently got a hardcover. Um, all the remainder books get hardcovers, so it's probably no surprise that Department of Truth is now getting one. So, and it's a nice 
big bad boy as well. It's going to collect the Department of Truth 1 to 17. So it's not Ooh. just going to be the main um, title with Martin Simmons and James Tinian, but it's also going to include those one-shots that had guest artists such as Elsa Charitier and uh, Tyler Boss, for example. So, yeah, it's going to be 520 pages of goodness. It's a $50 book, so it'll come around 45 there, thereabouts. So it's about 250 an issue. You really can't go wrong with that. Plus, it's got a gorgeous new cover from Martin Simmons as well. Uh, but two more just to mention. Sorry, three more just to mention because I just bought another one. Uh, Kaya Book One comes out. So we've been oh, talking about that, okay. really enjoying that. That, of mm-hmm. course, is Wes Craig's adventure book. First five issues all collected. I can't wait to find out where her arm comes from. <laughs> I reckon it was Groot because he really needs that arm. And then Groot gave it to him. <laughs> Um, and then the last two to mention are both Rick Remender oversized ones. So again, these are deluxe books. So first of all, you've got the Scumbag Deluxe Edition oversized. This is Rick Remender writing and Greg Tacchini on art. This was a really, really, A, it was a really fun title, but B, it was such a deconstruction of the bloated mess that America is these days. Uh, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed that. It's all about the fate of the world being in the most ill-prepared, worst person possible's hands, but it takes so many digs at modern America. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. And then sad you know deadly class deluxe edition book four the last of them all ah but it ended so well so it's all good so yeah it collects deadly class 45 to 56 and that finishes off the hardcover collection of deadly class so um i had a regular come in recently neil and he he uh subscribed to comiXology and he said he read through deadly class in a weekend and he came in to me and he had the temerity to say to me how come you never told me about this book <laughs> like, what? so he started buying it in physical so he's the kind of guy he'll read it digital but if he really enjoys it he'll buy the the physical copy as Lovely. well so Good. i believe he's picking those up so yeah so that's the image uh side of things covered um i think something from boom studios caught your eye yeah um neighbors number one of five uh and uh i don't mean the uh the long-running australian soap opera <laughs> I mean the uh, the five issue miniseries by Judah Ellison S Doyle and Letizia Cadenici, uh, with uh, cover art by Miguel Mercado. When Janet and Oliver Gowdy moved to a quaint mountain town, it had me at mountain town. I think their daughter Casey becomes part of a horrific chain of events, revealing that their neighbours are anything but what they seem. Soon an unsettling old woman named Agnes Early fixates on Janet and Oliver's other daughter, two-year-old Isabel. It becomes clear that it's impossible to know who to trust or who is even still human. Steeped in Irish and English folklore and mythology, Jude Ellison S. Doyle joins artist Letizia Candonici uh, from House of Slaughter and colorist Alessandro Santoro. Uh, to, treat, to tread new ground in changeling horror, a tale perfect for fans of Eat the Rich and The Nice House on the Lake, uh, released March 22nd. Now, those are both books that we both really enjoyed. That they very much are. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we enjoyed the ending is another thing, but we can get on to that in a reviews podcast soon, I am sure. Quite. Well, we're clearly dying for a reviews podcast, but anyway, that's Neighbours, <laughs> uh, as I say, Neighbours, ill spelt, uh, no you there. Uh, but that's that's the, the American spelling, isn't it? That uh, is indeed, uh, yeah. Neighbours number one of five from Boom Studios. Um, couple of cool, yeah. couple of cool uh, 
variants there as well, especially the one by Ramon K. Perez, who's the artist on Stillwater. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an homage variant, clearly to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, the 1970s version. It's like a nice homage of the, the poster from that. Great movie, by the way. Great cool. movie. You want to swing into the Dark Horse corner of the universe? Absolutely, and go from uh, our number one book for the month, which was Night Fever. This is probably my second most anticipated book of this month, and that is because, pray tell, we are finally getting more and more of the books from the Scott-tober event. Oh, I still hate that name, though. Uh, so, yeah, Scott Snyder did a comicsology month of new titles, working with top-level artists. This was not last October 2022. This was October 2021. You know, and he worked with artists such as Greg Capullo, Francesco Francovia. So we've already had the physical releases for We Have Demons and Night of the Ghoul. Well, now we're getting one which is called Clear. So this was with uh, Francis Manipal, another one of my favorite artists. I spoke before about that brilliant flash run in the New 52 that Bram Bucoletto wrote. Francis Manipole was the artist on it. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is one called Clear. Again, it's going to be a three-issue series. Again, it's going to be oversized issues each time, 56 pages per issue. But the the solicitation for this just sounds fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, Clear number one of three. In the not-too-distant future, mankind no longer sees the world as it truly is. The invention of neurological filters has made it so one can view reality however they may choose. Old Hollywood monochrome, zombie apocalypse, anime, the possibilities are endless. Neo Seamus uh, Sand Dunes is one of only a handful who choose to live without a filter. When the death of an old flame reveals foul play, Dunes is set on a wild and twisting mystery that will take him from the city's deadly underworld to the even deadlier heights of wealth and power. So I think for a start that's just going to really allow Francis Manipal to stretch his artistic chops because you'll have all these different representations of reality. But story-wise, I just think that sounds really, really cool. I, I love it when Scott Snyder does indie stuff. It's arguably where he's at his strongest. So really, really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we move on from there. We're moving on to a couple of smaller publishers just to just to wrap the pod up with. And the first place I wanted to stop was at Mad Cave. Now, Mad Cave is not really a publisher that I would read a lot from, but there there is the odd one that slips through the cracks and and grabs my interest. And there were actually two this month. And again, it's these. It, it's when they do these things saying it's for fans of this meets this it, it, it just brings you in so the first one's called hunt kill repeat and it's kill bill meets clash of the titans how could you not love the sound of that so the all new action-packed series by mark london who did battle cats knights of the golden sun when the greek gods invade earth society is quickly faced uh, forced to comply with their new rulers however one god artemis rejects her brethren's ideology and has found solace in the love of a mortal when she is called to olympus to answer for her betrayal the gods strip away her godly powers and leave her for dead now 10 years later artemis is on a quest for revenge to confront her father zeus for taking away everything she ever loved so it's going to kick things off with a 48 page issue one as well the preview art looks great i think it, it sounds like a really fun uh a really fun title so i will definitely be jumping on that and then the other one that caught my eye was as much for the title as it is for the preview artwork it's called don't spit in the wind uh so brand new number one hitting in march so one man's trash is another man's living since earth became inhospitable humanity escaped ages ago to live in a space station floating above the atmosphere now travis and his crew of garbage men are tasked with cleaning up mountains of toxic waste working for a company called atomic bros inc to create a quote clear world but when one of travis's crew members goes missing near an old nuclear uh, facility travis's job becomes a bit more complicated yeah, the, the preview art for this looks fantastic. It's written and drawn by the same uh, creator, so uh, Stefano Cardicelli. The art reminds me very much of something like James Stokoe or Daniel Warren Johnson mm. type style. 
but I just really like the sound of the uh, the setup as well. So, yeah, another one I'll be jumping on. And as I say, Mad Cave have pulled double duty on me this month. Yes, they seem to have. And uh, yeah, you mentioned them. You mentioned them earlier on. All right. So uh, yeah. So uh, so Mad yeah, Cave let's uh, a couple of smaller publisher ones for you. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're dipping into uh, to Scout Comics, which we do occasionally uh, for, and I think. This was solicited uh, maybe much much earlier in the year, but it uh, it caught my uh, it caught my eye at the time. Uh, and this is a, a remastered uh, trade paperback um, called "The Forever Maps" by uh, Michael Legas and uh, Todor Hristov. Uh, as I say, it is from Scout Comics, uh, and it's due for uh, release on the eighth of March. And you'll see why, Alan. Uh, in eighteen, in 1794, a man is given a map. When he follows it, he finds an identical map with a new destination. This leads him to another map, and another, on and on for decades, never edging or getting hungry. It's not until a century later that he realises that he's that when he stops following the maps, the time catches up. Torn between family and immortality, he must continually choose between living forever and having a life worth living. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Sounds right up my street. Um, so uh, that's a wee one from uh, from Scout called the the Forever Maps. Um, the cover says Volume One, but it's very possible that that is uh, done in one. I'm just not quite sure. Uh, from TKO Studios, it's been a wee while since we saw TK, TKO. Really, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it, they went through a little phase where they were just pumping out titles, and now not so much. But we still got some of the good stuff in in the store, like uh, Sarah by Garth Ennis and. Uh, Steve Epting, Sentient by Jeff Lamar, G.H. Walter. There's, there's some good stuff from TK. Yeah, well, they've uh, they've enlisted Paul Cornell. Uh, Paul Cornell is a well-known uh, British writer uh, of great comic uh, screenplay and, uh, and a novel pedigree. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of writing around Doctor Who, which includes some of the, the, the screenplays for the, the new Doctor Who, um, I think back around 2005. That's uh, weird when you can say new Doctor Who. That's you're talking about 2005. Um, he's done a lot of work uh, about comics uh, with uh, Captain Britain and MI13. He wrote that 15 issue series, uh, the Wisdom uh, six issue limited series, which took the Warren Ellis created uh, Secret Agent, uh, based I guess in the X Files time, and uh, expanded him across Fantastic Four, Dark Reign, X Men, Black Widow, Action Comics run. Um, uh, Batman and Robin, uh, famously Saucer Country, uh, and uh, Wolverine stuff, a whole lot of whole lot of stuff. So he's a he's a well known uh, a well known writer. I had the pleasure to meet him at uh, a Thought Bubble uh, just last year. Um, so this is uh, the Witches of World War Two, uh, again by Paul Cornell. Artist is Valeria Burzo and uh, Jordi Belair. I think is on colors. Um, and the reason it caught my is because the byline for it is this magic kills fascists uh, which obviously is a riff on the Woody Guthrie uh, his guitar said uh, this machine kills fascists which was uh, you know I guess killing fascists is, is, is pretty good with me it's inspired by a true story in the darkest hours of World War II Doreen Valiente a junior intelligence officer 20 years old and already a war widow is approached by a British general who tells her he knows that she's a witch and that's how she can best serve her country 
Valiente, an expert on British folklore and the occult, is to use her connections in this peculiar community to recruit a group of British magicians and use their skills to gain some advantage over the Nazi high command, who believe fervently in all this occult rubbish. Together with Al Alistair Crowley, the self-proclaimed most evil man in the world, Valiente recruits a hard-nosed white witch, Dion Fortune, the grizzled and grey-bearded founder of Wicca, uh, Gerald Gardner, and exorcist and con man in a turban, Rollo Ahmed. Together, this coven of witches will travel deep into the heart of Nazi-occupied Europe and gamble their lives, their beliefs, and their powers on a mission to help capture Rudolf Hess, fervent occultist and second command, command to Adolf Hitler himself. Um, this has uh, this is our good buddy uh, Martin written all over it. <laughs> I think this is a Martin book. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, TK or much... TK are well known for releasing graphic novels, so that's why they're complete stories rather than sort of single issue solicitations. But the best part of that description, I don't know if you have it with uh, whatever you're using, but in the previews book, it says "Note not available in Germany." <laughs> <laughs> that's that is the case with an, an awful lot. <laughs> a lot of uh, occult or Nazi featuring sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, sounds sounds great. Uh, I think I'll be on that, especially with with Paul Cornell at the at the helm. Yeah, nice. So the Witches of World War Two from TKO Studios is Keith's last pick on this pod for the January book for March listations. I've got one last one just to finish off with, and it is from Vault Comics, who again seem to be getting a little bit more of my money these days. And that is because they keep getting creators that I like to write books and draw books. So in this case, it's a title called The Nasty. So this is written by John Lees. You know, I've always sung his praises, wrote Sink uh, as a massive one for a start, but then also recently did Crimson Cage, which was a wrestling meets Macbeth horror book for AWA Studios. Uh, the artist on this one is George Cambaday and letter Jim Campbell. Not only this, I think this book should appeal to people of our age who remember the era of the video nasty the under-the-counter mm. videos you could get from your local video shop if you knew the the owner well enough uh video nasties kids were movies that were considered too violent to be released the kind of movies kids probably laugh at now these days but it was things like the texas chainsaw massacre the original evil dead cannibal holocaust last house on the left things like that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah um but yeah it was a different era back then you know even though people are probably more easily offended now go figure but uh, <laughs> calling all scary movie fans, Scotland 1994, 18-year-old Thumper Connell still has an imaginary friend, the masked killer from his favourite slasher film. Thumper is obsessed with horror and always has been. He fills his time with scary VHS rentals and hanging out with his fellow fans, The Murder Club. But everything changes when his local video shop acquires one of the notorious films known as Video Nasties. Films so scary, they're banned and burned. It's only a movie though, right? It's all just imaginary, isn't it? A story about the perception of evil, the power of genre, the love of fandom, the need to create art, oh, and crap your pants, terror. So, again, it doesn't say what the uh, length is for this. I find with a lot of uh, vault books, they tend to be 10 at the most, but some cases they do different volumes and do sort of three, four issues at a time. So, But yeah, I think that's a wonderful sound in uh, number one, and uh, the art preview stuff looks great as well. So, and uh, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned people of our age, uh, and uh, so I guess that uh, that uh, brings to mind the fact that uh, you recently had a birthday. Uh, it was a fortieth birthday, a significant birthday, and so I just like to take the opportunity to wish my co-host and local comic pusher uh, <laughs> publicly a very happy fortieth birthday. May the next forty be as successful. 
Well, thank you. I love the idea that you call me a comic pusher. I mean, that that needs to be a business card right there. So what do you do for a living? I'm a comic pusher. You what? Oh, I own a comic store. Uh, yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice birthday. Vic and I went and stayed in the merchant and went out for a nice dinner and had Alfie looked after by my folks for the night. And then today, a rather glorious piece of comic history arrived as my 40th birthday present to myself which is officially the oldest comic I now own. It was a CGC copy of Batman number 29 from 1945, uh, a grade that of 4.5, and also has oh. white pages, despite the fact that it's... Is it older than you and I put together? 55? Oh, no, it's not, but sh- well, we'll not talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, Obviously, I'm curating a collection of Batman Volume 1 with the express idea of passing it on to my son uh, when it was his 21st birthday. So I uh, saw the opportunity to get this one at a good price. You can just imagine me on his 21st kind. It's like, no, don't take it. Damn it. <laughs> I put it on record that these are yours. Uh, anyway, but uh, no, thank you for Bad the birthday man. wishes. And uh, yeah, it's only a number. Yeah. It's only a and number. we haven't, we haven't had a chance to even get out and get a pint to, to market, so we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do that at, uh, oh. at some point in the future. We'll maybe do that sometime next week. Uh, a sunflower visit is incoming. I think it's been too long. So, but anyway, that brings to an end the previews podcast. So again, that's the January books gone through for predominantly March 2023 releases, although in some cases they are advanced uh, solicits. But as ever, anything appeals to you, give us a, uh, a message, drop us an email, coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to follow the new Facebook page, which you will find that we're at the, the heady heights of 130 followers so far. But uh, you'll find it on Facebook these days. It's got a slightly different subtitle. Uh, which is not at all egotistical, but it's Coffee and Heroes, Belfast number one comic book store. And uh, make sure to follow there, get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, whatever your preferred method is, although we much prefer, pop in this store and uh, we'll we'll get you sorted. But yeah, as I say, the, the cutoff is this Friday, but doesn't matter. We'll always get you sorted. So let us know when you know. As long as you don't come to us when five issues are out and go, can you get me issue one of this? <laughs> that's where the trouble starts wait for the trade wait for the trade <laughs> anyway pleasure as always chatting to you sir I uh, will look forward to a couple of reviews pods that we are clearly itching to do uh, hopefully Absolutely. coming your way next week great and enjoy your enjoy your time away seeing your uh, seeing your, your English side of the family uh, that is something to look forward to from tomorrow yes indeed so yeah, thanks for listening guys as ever I hope this proved useful and uh, we'll catch you next time so I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller you can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm a Scannison 00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.